You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm not Corey. Once again, Corey is out. He is moving this week. He will be back next week. Aaron Castro is in Phoenix. I believe. Sorry. <laughs> um, Liam yeah. is in Houston. I will also be patrolling the comments. Yeah, I'm, I have a short-term memory problem. I'm sorry. It's in the script. So, guys, how was your week? <laughs> read the script. <laughs> just read the line. That's just how you have that much memory is. <laughs> Uh, so, how was you guys this week? Um, you know, uh, just just some rugby. Uh, watch Master Sunday. Uh, you know, happy for Tiger. I, I, I'm not unhappy for Tiger, but it was just interesting to see how all of these people were like, you know, it's such a redemption story. Well, <laughs> the dude, like the dude, like all the all the things he needed to redeem himself from were self created. Let's just get that let's just get that out there but um it was i do like watching excellence so that was he played really well and it's kind of funny to see in golf how playing with tiger so if you're in the final group with tiger how much that pressure still exists because uh molinari and finau both like crumbled it was it was rather impressive to see, you know, that that pressure still exists uh, even, you know, when he's 43. Uh, so that, that was kind of cool to watch. Um, also, while I was watching that, we watched the San Diego game. So we'll talk about that one. Um, some baseball. But uh, let's have a happy birthday to Wee Widow William right there. Yeah, uh, thank you, Aaron. Uh, yep, turning 24 today. Uh, kind of an uneventful day. Just had to get some work done in the office and go in there. But uh was able to do some stuff this weekend and uh, celebrate correctly. So that was good. To include Sabercats loss. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> starting, starting, your, starting your guys' podcast off right. Hey, we already started it off right. I started it. <laughs> <laughs> so hold on. Just... Going back to the rule about me, does that apply? Oh, Do yeah. To drink every time I show back up? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think people just got to get a funnel and just. <laughs> uh, just sorry, Adrian, man. This is going to be hard for you. Water, some water just for you. Lots of yeah. water in that funnel. Yeah. But, hey, but other than that, um, the Colorado weather is weird, man. It snowed last Wednesday and it was 75 today. Oh, don't worry. It's, you know, it'll be. It'll be hell in uh, in July when I come up there for that test match. Yeah, yeah. Is, it, is that actually official? Is yeah, that, I don't think it's, it's, it. it's against Canada. Canada on the twenty eighth. Not the not the Australia one. I don't know when that's going to be. It's supposed to be on the West Coast. We'll find. We'll see if that happens. But uh, yeah, Canada for the PNC is at Glendale on the twenty eighth of July. And then they fly to Fiji 
for two weeks to play, I think, Tonga and Samoa is who they play. We're in the same – so it's like the APC in that it's where the, the pool you're in, you don't play. So you could win all three of your games, but the only way to win the thing if, like, say, Fiji wins all three of their games is to have the bonus points because there isn't a championship. Uh, so, yeah. Funny development tournament rules. There you go. <laughs> well, all right. For those new to the podcast, each Monday night we discuss news and rumors and abuse from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union. It's a chance to look at the issues, hear from the league, players, and team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. That said, Aaron, what we talked about this week? Josh, why are you criticizing referees? <laughs> because I can. <laughs> it's like, it's interesting to see, you know, I guess, I mean, what the, the specific, specific example you chose in the game I didn't really agree with, but there was this really long advantage that Elgin Williams played where I think uh, he came back to the penalty and New York like kicked a touch like four times. Or that's how he played this. You can't play advantage for 10 minutes, uh, you know, at the five meter line. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's a, that really kills like the game, the spectating experience, because I, I guess one of the things you need to, we need to really explain is that, you know, I, I knew what was going on. I was sort of annoyed because if you can't gain an advantage after kicking the touch twice and then trying to maul and then run a bunch of pods and, and not score, you know, advantage over and uh, well, let's just get get it over with and get on. Um, that's that's my opinion. But uh, moving forward. Well, maybe I chose the wrong example, but yeah. Yeah, there, there you go. Uh, Nola holds it down uh, in the swamp. Uh, we'll talk about that. Houston, they get swept up in them waves at the sea. Uh, the sea wolves, them puddle pups, brought in. Then they got eaten. Rain uh, city dick fish, more like. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to see how we could bring that into the conversation, but I forgot we so, just Liam. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about we'll talk about rain city dick fish. Uh, you, we we will talk about also where you can buy that merchandise. Um, San Diego is finally in playoff contention. They kicked New York out of the top four and are in third. And talk about the weather, apparently. All right, well, to kick us off, first game of the weekend was Nola hosting the Utah Warriors. I'd honestly say it was one of Nola's worst performances of the season. I mean, Utah had plenty of it of opportunities to take advantage, but they just couldn't. William, what'd you see? Um, so I'm not going to keep on beating this whole dead horse about Utah looking great and then not doing anything. Yeah, we get it. We know it's a, it's a pretty tired storyline. So moving on from that, um, what was the deal with ESPN? Um, like not covering the first few minutes of this match. I think Josh, you even mentioned something within our own personal email chain. Did you not? Yeah, it was scheduled to start 30 minutes later than the schedule on the USMLR website said. But when it came on, it was only about 16 minutes gone. So, Well, yeah. all I, I got to say about there is some intern at ESPN screwed up. Um, I hate you, just to let you know. I hate you. 
Hey man, we've we've all been interns and we all have been hated. So guess yeah, what? I like, hate you. Like, it's my turn now, baby. It's like 30 minutes of my match enjoyment from pregame to when it like worked. Uh, but but did you really miss anything in that pregame? Well, um, well I don't know about the pregame. Blew it. We, uh, we did, the I don't know about the pregame, but oh, the first good. minutes was that sick intercept try. Thank you yeah. for MLR highlights. For snagging that. Hell yeah. Putting that up. So um, more on this game, I guess, you know, other than the, other than the stuff that's going to be just making us mad, Nola uh, got out of this game with 727 meters gained with 4.1 meters per pass. Utah, 526 meters gained, 5.7 meters per pass. Utah led in possession, 57% uh, possession rate to go along with a, 70, with a 74% territory rate. So what the hell happened there? It seemed like, you know, the numbers are at least saying that they had an advantage somewhere. Like Kind of like Josh said, Utah had plenty of opportunities uh, to take advantage of this one and maybe get that second victory of the season. Obviously, it didn't happen. I'll tell you what did happen for both teams, and that was turnovers. 37 in total between the two teams, 18 for NOLA, 19 for Utah. So if you want to talk about something that greatly affected the outcome of this game, look to that metric. Uh, as the as we were already talking about, Tristan Blewett, uh, he might be this year's Honko Hammerscheiß, by which I mean he's a young, dominant South African who could either become the hottest domestic player in any market in the United States, or he could get plucked from us by season's end by a greedy club from, o- from overseas. Uh, he wasn't even the top three when it came to ball carries. He still managed to put up 116 meters, along with said intercept try that was not included uh, on most people's broadcast. Thank you, Mr. ESPN intern. Uh, Blue it not obviously <laughs> not the only great performer for the gold, JP Eloff. Uh, I think this guy is having a borderline MVP season, so let's keep his name in the mix there. Uh, 86 meters total made, going along with four for four on the kicks at the goal. Uh, if we want to highlight some guys from Utah, let's talk about uh, Lauti and Josh Whippy. Uh, Josh Whippy. You mean um, getting more? Yeah, all right. I'll talk about Gannon Moore. Gannon Moore is pretty good. Yeah, but I'm talking about Lauti and Whippy. <laughs> I'm talking about Lauti. So, like, uh, I mean, I, so I looked at this. Utah did submit a new roster, like, at 5 a.m. on Saturday. So the roster was submitted. That means people at production didn't look this up, and you had – like five minutes of Scott Alexander and Jeff Bodine, I think was the name called like talking about Gannon Moore. And I'm staring, <laughs> I'm staring at this. That is not Gannon Moore. And he's not even on the team sheet that was submitted in the morning before the game. It just kind of hit me what was wrong here, actually. And, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? And it takes like 20 minutes for Ben Tarr, who's who's in the commentary booth, to go, I that's not the game more I know. <laughs> well, um, hey, the well, same thing happened when the Seahawks when the Seawolves played Utah, because Deion Crowder turned into a Suniula brother. Well, well, here's the thing. Uh Roland was on the team sheet. But uh, that I guess uh, you know, Jerem and uh, Johnny Linehan couldn't tell 
either of them apart. But I don't understand. They were wearing different numbers. So, like, if you're going by the number, you just go, Dion Crowder. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, am, am I still allowed to talk about Loudy and Whippy now? Uh, well, yeah. I don't want to disrespect Bannon or Dan more, well, you know, God that, forbid. Now that we've corrected the record and clearly <laughs> stated that it was Josh Whippy on the field. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, Loudy and Whippy, 187 meters gained respectively. Uh, Whippy putting one down for the try, continu- continuing to make his underdog case for what I think is going to be a comeback player of the year should the league feel the need to designate such a board. Uh, I, I definitely had to get some praise in for some of the Utah guys there. But uh, yeah, big ups to Josh Whippy for coming back. Uh, it was a broken leg for him, right? Compound, then- so for him and... Jared did, did him and Jared have the same injury? Same, same leg, same injury. <laughs> Imagine what that house must have been like. Like, like, if, like, if, like their mom was taking care of it them or something. So, that was so unlucky. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. Well, hey, they're twins for a reason, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. Can't make that shit up. <sighs> so. Um, so you want to talk about this game, Aaron? So I feel when, like I, you, so when you I look at this game, you see a major difference in the experience of uh, of each this season. Um, I would say uh, the interior defense of Utah was pretty good. Uh, their interior attack was also stifled, so it, that really didn't manage uh, do too much. Lance Williams, of course, did some Lance Williams things as uh, as he does, but. Overall, it's it's really about the pressure in that defense and where uh, those turnovers happened. Uh, the turnovers for New Orleans really happened in Utah's half, uh, so it really could have been a different game. Uh, in fact, we'll talk about that. All games really sloppy uh, this weekend when it came to handling, especially Sundays. Uh, but uh, you know, it's. The, I guess the difference is up front in the scrum, uh, as I like to talk. Uh, New Orleans is just better uh, up there, but they, they still don't have the best. They've, they've got one that is tactical, that can deal with pretty much everyone, but it's not overly dominant. And then the, But they do have some crazy back rows. Uh, I think in the interior game, uh, you know, we saw with both of these teams is that – Neither team was able to create much, uh, you know, in in between the tram lines, really. And you had most of your production coming off the tram lines uh, with uh, the likes of Lauti, uh, Whippy, Blewett, J.P. Eloff, uh, Scott Gale, and uh, you know, it, it it just wasn't. It was a weird game uh, overall. Uh, I, I think if you look at this on defense. Uh, I really want to see what the what when the previews come out. How many? Because when the previews come out, you see every single player on a, on the list compared to each other. And I think on a per game basis, Zach Striffler is probably the leading tackler in Major League Rugby. Uh, he's not the most dynamic with the ball in hand. I I think he can run it. I just we just really haven't seen him put in that situation. But what he does do is his work rate as a tackler is extremely high. He had 20 tackles this weekend, uh, you know, the highest in the league this weekend. And it was just uh, just kind of interesting to, to see what you want 
with your guys. And it was just overall a really weird game for New Orleans. Uh, when it comes to, to Utah, we're, we're seeing the same thing. They create a lot. They're making a lot of meters, but they're, they're doing nothing with it. Yeah, well, in, in, in regards to, uh, to Zach Stifler, like every team I think needs that linebacker guy who's going to fulfill that role on defense, who even if he isn't the most productive with the ball in hand, who just has a very high motor and is able to get up repeatedly and continue making tackles and continuing to be that aggressive presence around the ball, that's going to make a huge difference for you, especially if you need to make a comeback, which, you know, Nola's had to do in the past. All right, so... Time to move on to the other game, but I think first we need answers from Liam because we can talk about Houston getting eaten by the puddle pups later. Uh, hey, Liam, <laughs> why did why did the turf look like the 18th tee at the Masters after a round of golf? Um, crap, I don't even know how to answer this. I think my boss might even actually be watching this this, this one. Um, th- it's a it's a new field, uh, and we've had some we've we've had rain down here in Houston. Um, and anybody who's ever laid down new sod knows that it's not always perfect. And um, we knew there were were was a, a moderate degree of risk going in and playing early. Uh, unfortunately, the team just didn't have a whole lot of choice in terms of venues to play in. Uh, and so we so we decided that it was the best decision to move forward with playing at Aviva uh, for a soft opening versus Seattle. Uh, but before we move on to a, uh, you know, before we move on to our official opening in two weeks, uh, and hopefully the sod will be, we, we have a great grounds crew at Aviva Stadium. So hopefully the sod is going to be, you know, well repaired by then. And we're going to be looking forward to a much better season on a much better surface. Um, you know, and it's unfortunate because it definitely took away, um, you know, a large degree of our, of our scrum advantage that we usually have over other teams. But I'll get to that later after Aaron does his whole spiel making fun um, of my pain. I know you so, want to do so, that there and right. So I, I guess we should talk about that pitch uh, a little yeah. bit. Um, the weather didn't cooperate, but man, that's so that was saturated. That was really bad. Uh, as I understand it, you, you talked about the grounds crew. Uh, they've got some, some crazy expensive like hormone stuff that they're treating the, the grass with so that, uh, you know, the roots take, yeah, I don't know. It it was it's chemicals, and it wasn't it was explained well enough to where I was like, um, yeah, that's that's advanced. <laughs> so I think the the grass will be better uh, in two weeks. Um, so uh, moving on. Uh, so given the saber can't strength was taken away. I think Glendale still showed you a path uh, the previous week uh, to play against them, play away from the forward pack of, of, of Houston. Don't play to their strength, which is the set piece game. Stay away. Don't commit penalties to where uh, Houston will be able to choose a scrum and then execute more scrum penalties to where they can kick the touch deep. And then, you know, push you over at the five meter line and get, you know, a penalty truck. Don't allow that to happen. And I think what we really saw that again this weekend, uh, play, you know, play a rapid tempo, high ball movement. So if you look at the stats, uh, so Ben Seema, he, he had a lot of ball movement uh, when it came to passing the ball around. He didn't really run it that much, but so they had, more meters kicked than they had meters gained. 
Okay, 27 total kicks for 939 meters. Meters game was 915. Uh, you want to talk about ball movement, du- uh, you know, almost double the passes with 169 passes to 86. Uh, so when it comes to pass differential, if you want to talk about something very weird, uh, formation and tempo someone to death. Uh, the uh, Sabercats had 98 more tackles than – Seattle did. Seattle played a very rapid tempo ball position game, uh, just making sure the ball was deep in the Sabercats' own half. Uh, like I said, Ben Seema's kicking game was was crazy. He had over 600 meters in kicks. Yeah, wow. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, lo- I'm looking up right now what Seattle's quick ball rate was, and they were at a 65, percent which is uh, which one is one, one yeah one percent behind Houston at at uh, kinda, 66. Kind of amazing, and, and once you yeah. play that field position game, and you do have uh, fast rucks, uh, you're able to score a lot of points. They did score some points from far out. Uh, you know, Brock Stoller uh, with his uh, perfect read uh, from his fellow kicker. Uh, Sam Windsor, where he just robbed Sam Windsor and then press, you know, press the B button and meet on, on the controller and beat Malachi Esdale under, under the oh. post to where he can convert that. I think Malachi Esdale oh, is Shut probably, <laughs> I think he's probably beating himself right now with like a whip and just from <laughs> some self-flagellation. Cause that was embarrassing. Cause Malachi <laughs> is a very, very rapid individual. Um, I, I mean, he, he has high expectations of himself, but I don't think he's going Da Vinci Code in a basement anytime soon. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to text Malachi real quick. I'm kind of worried about him. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you know, we, we I talk about tackle differential and making someone play defense. So, yes, they, they had this ball position game, but they played most of, especially that second half, in the Sabercats. Uh, in the Sabercats half, and <laughs> Seattle attempted less than a hundred tackles. Sabercats attempted over two hundred. So, yeah, I, yeah, I was aware. And, I'm aware. Yeah. Um, in regards to where you can buy the Rain City Dickfish apparel, uh, which the um proceeds will go to youth rugby programs, um, courtesy <laughs> of a. Uh, <laughs> Of a Raptors fan, uh, he came up uh, – probably one of the greatest things to come out of Reddit this yeah. year. Um, you can buy on Zazzle, search Rain City Dickfish. You can get totes. You can get mugs. You can get sh- you can get everything. As I said, all proceeds go to youth rugby programs. Um, but, yeah. Uh, as very- a New England fan, I, I very much approve of this. Or as, as, as a Patriots fan specifically, I shouldn't say I work for the Sabercats. I'm a Sabercats fan. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so as we were saying, the Rain City dickfish have struck again. Um, first of all, does that count as a swear? Should people, should people drink on that? Yeah. Whatever. But uh, all around, while people were excited for opening Jay, uh, Geez, the sod was coming up as as we talked about. It was hot. There was a lightning warning. Uh, that all kind of might have added up to a bit of a bat oming, but we we went ahead anyway. Anyway, as Aaron said, this game was pretty sloppy on both sides. Uh, the Cats ultimately couldn't get any offense going, even when you know Seattle was making their own mistakes. 
Uh, they And they seemed kind of off kilter in the tackling game. Um, you know, like as Aaron said, we attempted over 200 and 200 tackles, but we still allowed way too many line breaks, which has been a huge problem for us all season. Um, one thing that hasn't been a problem usually, though, is Sam Wister, uh, Sam Wister, Sam, blah, 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 Sam Windsor going an uncharacteristic 0 for 2 kicking. Uh, you know, Brock Stoller, his counterpart, uh, also kind of off his game going four for seven, though, uh, you know, more attempts, you know, more likely to make one. So I guess we'll give hey him man, that. Seven of 10 <laughs> is, is pretty good. Uh, you know, making, uh, making a uh, good old 17 points with your boot. It's kind of, kind of pretty good. Yeah, well, guess what? It wasn't seven to ten; it was freaking four or seven. So set the hell up, Kyle. Hey, he, he he, I can pull this up for you. Four, four, four conversions. So that's eight, mm-hmm. and three penalty goals. He missed three. He did miss three kicks. So it's all right, seven, yeah, so, seven, seven of ten. All right, so 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 boom. It's just it's it's more of a pool. Sam didn't get to kick that much. Sam, Sam's a great player. Give, give him a break. Uh, overall, Seattle, 52% possession. And as Aaron said, over 900 meters at 5.4 meters per pass. Meanwhile, the Cats didn't even manage to top 500 meters with an MPP of 5.2. Set piece was an issue, uh, unlike a lot of games for these, these Cats, actually, though. Uh, the lack of scrummaging, the lot of uncontested scrums due to the field surface, um, you know, took away a huge advantage that the Cats usually have. Um, and the Cats gave up two steals in the lineouts, so that's two possessions right there that they lost. That you know they very well could have done something with, especially when uh, one of those lineouts at least was inside of Seattle territory. Uh, if you want to find something good to talk about the Saber Cats here, let's talk about four steals in the breakdown. Uh, this is an aggressive style that we've seen the uh, we've seen work for Houston in the past, but that it's just not a consistent. Yeah, it's not a consistent factor over 80 minutes, though. Pat O'Toole had two steals at the breakdown. Dude, Pat O'Toole's a freaking beast. Like, honestly, like, yeah, like, shout out to Pat, dude. Fucking absolute monster on the field. Uh, when it comes down to uh, standout players for Seattle, at least, you know, uh, you know, not, not to say Pat isn't a standout player. Uh, Seattle had two players over 100 meters, the ever-fantastic Matt Turner, along with Brock Stoller, 137 meters and 127 meters, respectively, for those two. Uh, both of those guys, I think, embody what's dangerous about the Seattle team. It's a bunch of hyper-athletic guys with motors comparable to J.J. Watt and Miles Garrett. A lot of these guys... They're capable of going the 80 minutes, but the uh, the coaching staff there in Seattle is pretty good about the substitutions. They're able to recycle these guys. That's why they're still on top in season two, looking to try to repeat. Uh, not a ton of production on the grounds for the Cats. Um, you know, Esdale, you know, uh, right before his his punishment, his you know chastity to God or whatever the hell Aaron thinks he's doing alone in his basement. Uh, Esdale led the team in meters gained with 62. <laughs> well, fuck, I hope he doesn't listen to this. Uh, well, Sam Windsor and threatened Palamo got the team's two only tries. Um, that was okay. Let, let's, let's talk about threatened. I'm glad to see he's healthy, but that was the softest try I've seen all week given up by any team. He's just, it's a try. Yeah. And he he could have walked in. He could have he could have drug he could have drugged that back foot a little bit, going real slow, and he still would have made it because they just did a little dance and made a little love and just put it down tonight. Put it down. Okay, I'll stop. Oh I'll save the dancing for the end of the show. 
Hey, it could have been a Murphy try. Sorry, Liam. Yeah, well, whatever. At least, hey, no, but I will mention that's two games in a row now where guys making their debut for the Sabercats have been able to score a try. Uh, Dion Mike Sells, uh, lot, you know, last week might have been a little bit more, as you guys might say, legitimate. But nonetheless, it's, it's, it's a cool statistic. All right, so who are you pulling up? Who are you pulling out your hat this week? Um, we, uh, I just signed with the Sabercats, actually. I'll be starting <laughs> at scrum half over Connor Murphy, who's currently dead in the trunk of my car. <laughs> okay, you would okay, be an upgrade. Off. I, 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 you might be Ooh. an upgrade. <laughs> just. No. no. Uh, moving on to the game of the week. At least, I, at least, I think we all are in agreement that is the game of the week. We, am I right? Well, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. I mean, of, totally. the, of, of the two. Of the three. Yeah. I mean, yeah. y'all. if y'all have looked at the script, you'll see my hot take. But, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, San Diego traveled to the East Coast for an early start, as in it was a 10 a.m. Pacific time kickoff. Took them a little bit to wake up, and when they finally did, they kind of almost ran away with this game. Liam, what are your thoughts? Well, as we were just saying a moment ago, I honestly think this could be up for game of the year. Uh, should the league choose to? Uh, did they? Did they make that an award last season? Uh, I don't. I don't remember. Did they give out awards last season? Uh, I was. I, I was so balls deep in we, finals. By, we we by did. This time last year. They did yeah. give out awards, but it was to individuals. I don't think we did like game of the year. Yeah, uh, uh, team of the year obviously is like your champion. So yeah, yeah. But anyway, nothing can be sweeter to my New Englander ears than to hear that a New York team lost at home in the Big Apple, especially on Coney Island. Which, <laughs> come on, man, you play at Coney. Nobody likes to go there. Who's actually from New York? Uh, I like what I saw in this game. A pretty anyway. balanced attack from both sides, but plenty of exciting and fast rugby to kind of keep you in depth and in tune with it which is always what you want to see, uh, especially with a game like this from two of the top teams. Uh, when it comes to the numbers, Rooney controlled 56% of the overall possession with 570 meters gained, while San Diego eked out in territory with 51% and 766 meters gained. Uh, each team loaded it up on tur- turnovers, Rooney with 14, San Diego with 16. So uh, just like the Utah match, a lot of that action going in there and affecting the ultimate outcome of this game. Uh, Rooney tried to play a little bit of a slower game in this one, only a 48% mark in the quick ball rate with San Diego ramping it up to 68% in their own right. So more meters gained and a faster game played is kind of what set this comeback up. Uh, San Diego was able to keep that pace up, especially in the second half and kind of outlast Rooney in that regard. Uh, Awful camera work, by the way, uh, to whoever directed this game. Uh, I had to edit this today at work and it kind of made my life a living hell. Uh, oftentimes the camera would fall behind, especially on a kick chase. Uh, sometimes they would end up filming the wrong side of the line because they thought it was going to get passed to the other side. Anybody who watched this game definitely kind of noticed this stuff. And uh, it mean yeah, where it was, I didn't see Joe Peterson's try. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Aaron, um, what, what, what do you think about this? So game? if Tell you me. haven't watched San Diego the last few weeks, You've been missing out. I wouldn't say this was a good game. I would say that this is a kind of game, especially if you've been watching San Diego, uh, that the game they played up at Starfire, 
it's they look like a professional rugby team. Okay, they are the most physically intense team in the league right now. I, I don't know what has changed in the last couple of weeks, but I will be finding out because I do have a call scheduled with Rob Holdley tomorrow, the head coach of San Diego. So we're going to chat about the changes that have happened in the last couple of games to just uh, to, to make this happen. I mean, they were pretty good early on, but they just weren't they, they weren't there. So, but, man. Uh, they will hit you in the mouth and they will wear you down. Uh, uh, we've seen Savanaka Totovasua uh, back uh, healthy, and I think one of the one of the comments in one of the chat threads I'm in about this game was, "Who is this big winger?" Um, and I was like, "He was on the roster. He's been around. I think he's just finally healthy." And they're like, "Well, he's playing like a lock. He keeps finding work." <laughs> He's finding work around the breakdown. He d- he's doing like lock things, and then he's I can also hear Grant Cole saying that he's also rapid, like he is fast. Uh, and it's kind of funny. I think when Brian Ray finally listens to this, and uh, I think he owes me some money for uh, uh, for Josavera Malua, who is now who is now a lock, who is now from who went from who went from wing to flanker. To lock. He's now playing lock, and he is playing very good for uh, San Diego. It's oh man, like I couldn't tell you. Like, yes, uh, New York play tried to play at their level, but they couldn't. Uh, they did score very early, and it was a bit ominous. Well, they, for, they were on top for a while. It's yeah, not well, like, yeah. It's I mean, they scored competitive. They scored two tries very early on, and like they were, they were ahead. And you thought maybe this one would get out of hand because they were up, I think, 14 to 0, 10 minutes in, uh, something like that. It was weird. But after that, uh, you know, the the San Diego defense started to to tighten up. But on attack, they could not hold on to the ball. This is – you want to see some weird stuff? Uh, Let's get into some weird stuff. Turnovers conceded, 16. They had less passes. Uh, tackles missed. Uh, they they did complete more tackles and higher percentage of their tackles than New York. So this probably gets into a lot of the physical carrying, especially in the second half. Uh, penalties conceded. Uh, they 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 conceded the same amount of penalties, free kicks, one more free kick conceded than New York. But here's the here's the weird, the, the really weird one. Um, where where turnovers conceded, sixteen. Like this, like they could not hold on to the ball, but I think all 16 of those turnovers happened in the first half because in the second half, New York couldn't do anything. Um, and they, San Diego was just trying to get in places to where they could assert their will. They won several scrums. It, it was, it was my, it was mildly impressive to see what they did uh, in the scrum to where they just took away uh, put-ins from New York and just bullied them. Uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, some people have some complaints about how many foreign props are in this league. Uh, yes, they have a foreign tight head, Patty Ryan, who is playing very well. He's He is, I mean, well, I mean, he's probably one of the guys I'd pick for MVP in the league for what he's contributed to his team. But as far as the loose heads of San Diego, and how they've progressed. Faka Pifaletti. 
and Nate Sylvia. Uh, Nate Sylvia started early on in the year, and I, you know, had a lot of praise uh, for him early on in the year. But Faka Pifletti, I mean, yes, he's a Saracens Academy graduate. I got it like that. He has that pedigree. He should be good. But he wasn't this good last year. Uh, you know, when you want to talk about the Eagles and questions at loose head prop, like we've got some good props in the league this year that could be pushing, maybe not for the World Cup, but for the future. Like, whereas a couple, I guess a couple months ago, we were just trying to figure it out because really the only ones in the system uh, that would probably go to the World Cup were Chance Wengleski and uh david ayunu uh depending on the health and fitness of date of eric fry but be, especially with td lamositelli now earning starts uh for saracens at tight end prop so the the loose heads on that roster for san diego are very like they are developing at a very rapid pace good for them uh you know uh, I I have a lot of good things to say about Mike Petri. He, he played very well. Uh, the quick ball or lack of quick ball for New York really wasn't his fault. I thought his service was very good. His support lines were very good, which led uh, he always tends to. I, have these- I will say at one point in the second half, Mike Petri had what I think was the worst box kick in in Major League Rugby history. He got maybe one foot of. Of, so of ground gained and I don't know. It was just very uncharacteristic for so a in guy the first half, so on. So in the on first point. half, he had a lot of good ones, right? <laughs> they played this possession game to where they pushed San Diego back and he had a lot of good ones. And anyone who talks to me like knows that I hate when the Eagles box kick, whether it was Mike Petrie back in 2015 or recently with Nate Augsburger or Sean Davies. doesn't matter. Most of the time, it's at the wrong port, port of the field. I don't care what people talk about strategy. If you're at the midfield, run your attack and gain ground and score somehow because often we just give up possession. Thank you. Um, you know, like in the second half, like I said, San Diego responded and they just kept ratcheting up this physical intensity that – I don't know if anyone in the league can match right now. Uh, I did do the math based on table position, so no algorithm, simple values for strength of schedule. San Diego has the toughest strength of schedule the rest of the way. But if I were to give you a power ranking, it would be hard not to, which I will do tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Um, I'll, I'll do the math on that, and we'll give you the semi-informed and officially unofficial power ranking. But I would say, um, even though they have this really tough schedule, they could go on the road and just pummel some teams and take the number one overall spot based on how they're playing right now. They have to play NOLA twice uh, going forward. They have to play Seattle Oh, no, they don't have to play Seattle again. They play Glendale, and Glendale has been on form recently, uh, but they play them at home this weekend. They've beaten them already. Uh, it's They are in they're in pole position right now, I think. I don't think any other team is going to be able to match them. So. Nah, I, I, yeah, I agree on that one. At, at this point, I think NOLA has locked up the playoffs. I think Seattle has locked up. 
locked-ish up the playoffs. I know a lot can happen, especially in the in the stretch of the season. But unless one of those teams drives off a cliff, not literally, but figuratively or literally, God forbid, knock on wood. Uh, but you know, m- moving on, Josh. <laughs> well, hey, we knew this was bound to happen eventually, but we had a postponement. Austin could not get out, get off the ground out of Texas, and their match against the Arrows has been postponed. Um. Well, uh, my brother-in-law flies for Southwest, and uh, well, Love Field basically canceled operations in Dallas, and DFW basically canceled operations in Dallas for both for about like six or seven hours. Uh, yeah, it was really bad weather. In, in from in central Texas this weekend. So everyone talking about, you know, all that bad weather up north. <laughs> bad weather. Yeah, there was south. there was a lot of rain and lightning and shit and it was unpleasant. <laughs> but uh yeah, like Josh said it was bound to happen eventually. But uh hey you can't lose if you don't play. So yeah, true. Does does this mean if it ends up getting cancelled they can call it a draw and Austin can finally get some more points? Um, I, I don't think they're calling it a draw. I think we will see a midweek fixture in Toronto. <laughs> I think that's what they're working on right now. I don't know if it's going to be this week. Well, they're going to have to do it during a bye because how are you going to like turn around and play a game like on like a Wednesday and then on again on no, a Saturday? I think it's going to be like on a – well, it, it depends on who's – I think it, they were working on it to see. It'll, be, it'll have to be in Austin by a week because yeah. Toronto's playing eight straight at home. Yeah, I think it was gonna. They were gonna try and do it this week. It was gonna be gonna be very interesting. Uh, but uh, they they are planning on playing this game. It is not going to not. I guess it is going to happen. I don't know exactly the details, but they plan on playing this game in Toronto based on the schedule. Probably a midweek fixture. Which will make it interesting. And, uh, you know, when you have to do this, it will be interesting to see the depth of Toronto. Uh, I mean, we could say depth of Austin, but they are last in the table, so I'm not really really worried about that. How about just to get it over with? We have them both scrum, like over like the middle of the border. You know, no ball or anything, (laughs) just pure strength and power. Who pushes who over (laughs) over the other side? Get it done real quick. Ah, uh, that would be fun. That's how we should choose the USA Rugby president, too. Honestly, like, everything else has gone to hell. Nothing else makes sense. Why not? <laughs> Rock. <laughs> All right, now we're going to go over our picks from last week. Or, well, I'm doing Corey's picks from last week. First up, we had Utah losing to NOLA 28-19. Aaron, you had NOLA minus 12. Liam was the closest with NOLA minus 10. And Corey had Nola minus twenty. Yep, um, yeah, this, is what, this is what happens when um, you know when you're the top team playing one of the worst teams, and uh, you know you don't have a good defense. Ja rule. <laughs> now we now we get to Liam's favorite game of the week. Um, uh-huh. Seattle beat Houston SaberCats fifty-two to twelve. Aaron was the closest with Seattle at minus 10. (laughs) (laughs) I I think we've had a game like that every week where it's just been totally wrong. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of rugby. Liam, you had Houston minus two. Sorry. Corey I was had wrong. Seattle minus five. Then we move on to San Diego beating Rooney 29 to 19. Corey actually got this the score line right, but the wrong team. <laughs> he had Rooney minus 10. So Aaron was technically the closest to correct as he had San Diego minus seven. And Liam, you had San Diego minus five. I like that. Like to move it, move it. And then <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna bypass the picks for the one that got away. Didn't have it. Do you happen to have the Freejax Leinster score? It was I think Aaron? it was like ten to fifty five, something uh, I could look it up, but I'm kind of lazy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about it. Corey was closest at Leinster minus 30. Am I saying that correct, Aaron? What? Leinster? Leinster. Leinster? Okay. I apologize to any Irish fans we have. So, Aaron, you had Leinster minus 20, and Liam had Leinster minus 14. What are, what are the standings looking like, Aaron? Um, in the Kara Cup? Oh, never mind. <laughs> That's over. <laughs> well, I can tell you in the Kara Cup that uh, the Free Jacks are bottom of the table. Just, just to let you know. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yes, I meant the MLR standings. So, um, well, uh, now with the best record in Major League Rugby with wins, number one, clear it away. With a six-point lead on the table, is eight and two, Nola Gold. Number two, at seven and three, with thirty-seven table points, is Seattle SeaWolves. And finally, where wins matter, San Diego Legion at seven, two and one, with thirty-six table points, courtesy of that bonus point win over New York. Uh, but where wins apparently don't matter. And offense always does. Fourth, Glendale Raptors, 5-3-2 with 33 table points, edging out uh, Rugby United New York, who is 7-2 with 32 table points. They have played one less game than uh, their compatriots uh, above them. So they're they're not too much on the outside looking in, but uh, it, it could get interesting. Uh, later on uh, in their homestand. Uh, Toronto starting to, uh, the gap is starting to widen uh, right now. I think they are going to get those points from Austin at some point, but they are at four and five with 24 points on the table. And in the battle for the wooden spoon or the battle for not to be the wooden spoon. Uh, I seven, thought we decided on the wooden Doug. Oh yeah. The wooden Doug. The wooden Doug. So the there, there's two races going on, fellas and ladies. There's the top six, which mathematically everyone in the top six is, you know, has a shot at the playoffs. And then at the bottom, no one has a shot at the playoffs. Seventh is two and seven Houston Sabercats with 11 points. So they likely will end up not last. But the where it gets interesting, I would say possibly, is uh, at eighth place, one seven and one, with ten points. Uh, the Utah Warriors, and then finally, uh, the current 
um, contenders for the Wooden Dug. 0-10 uh, with four points, Austin Elite. But important to note that Houston has the worst point differential of any team in the league at minus 146. Yeah. Yeah. Change of subject. Nolan Gold has now won more regular season games than anybody in Major League Rugby history. So that's that's new hotness right there. Yeah, right. So stick that feather in y'all's cap. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to move on to predictions for this week. First up, we have Glendale at San Diego. Um, San Diego minus seven. Um, I I think Glendale will will do their rapid tempo thing, but San Diego will just beat them up. So I'm going to go Glendale minus three. I don't necessarily disagree with Aaron's assessment. The only thing is, though, in order to truly win this game at the end of the season in terms of prediction record, uh, you got to go against the grain sometimes. So I'm going to go Glendale minus three. <laughs> you know it's uh, true. Yeah, you you got to take some chances uh, to get to get back up. So nice. <laughs> well, I'm I'm going San Diego minus two. Yes, I'm picking against Glendale. Um, Glendale has not won in San Diego ever. Wow! Like they lost all, to San all Diego two times. Yeah, I'll say they lost twice last year. Once to San Diego, and once in the championship. I think they lost the preseason game. Yep. Yep. So it's like yeah. it's like Tom Brady in Miami. It's something about that warm, nice weather. Even though Tom Brady's like from you know warm, nice weather. He he went to Michigan though. He's from the Bay. It is not warm or nice in the Bay. It is. I, I don't I don't allow Californians to claim about freaking cold weather. I'm sorry, forty five degrees makes you cold. Like, <laughs> dude, it's like ninety today. You know, 60 might make me cold. Tell me when, like, you know, your crappy 2004 Subaru won't start and you have to walk to class and be 10 minutes late in negative 15 degree weather. They're not canceling class, even though the roads are icy and everybody's complaining. Sound, sounds like my grandma. Calm down. It sounds like I have PTSD from going to school in Vermont. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, moving on to one of, actually, this is. Interesting. Um, there are two CBS Sports games of the week this week. One well, of them, hot dog. One of them being Utah at Rooney. And uh, yeah, uh, New York minus ten. Uh, you know, Utah might make it interesting. Uh, get some get some meters made on the on the on the outside, but uh, they're going to need a heck of a lot more in the interior against this team to even be close. Yeah, I'm going to go Rooney minus eight on this one. I think Utah has the potential to make it interesting. They have some guys who can, you know, score quickly. And sometimes uh, New York has a little bit trouble uh, at the end of games. Might be a lot of consolation tries, uh, you know, in terms of what the final score actually is. Or mercy tries, as you guys might put it. So, yeah, Rooney minus eight. I'll go Rooney minus 15. I think Rooney shows up pissed off and tries to put something on him. Uh, next up, we got Houston at Toronto. Um, Houston's making the trek north of the border. Hopefully, they don't get rained out as well. Um, and what's your pick? I'm going Toronto minus fifteen. Um, I yeah, sorry, just like uh, 
yeah. just like Austin uh, or Utah, you you gotta you gotta prove that you can win. And uh, well, Toronto's won twice as many games, and they're at home. So yeah, well, yeah. that didn't matter much uh, much the other week, did it? Yeah, but they were playing a better team. So hmm. there you go. Yeah, well, I'm not even picking in this game, so I'm just going to move it on to Josh. Uh, I, I predict Sam Windsor gets four four penalty conversions in this game. So we're just going to write uh, Liam down as a draw. Yeah, yeah, draw. That's that's what we'll do. All right, no, all right, but now if they actually do draw, like y'all got to send me a six pack or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll Venmo you. You can pick yeah. out what you want. Sweet. All right, I got Toronto minus twenty. Um, oh, jeez. Sorry, sorry, Liam. I just don't see Houston doing much at all. Like the the scrum is there. The scrum is definitely there. And this it will be an interesting scrum matchup. I just think that Toronto has a superior backline. All right, all right. Well, we'll see. And then moving on to the actual CBS Sports game of the week, we have Nola at Seattle. And um. So, uh, Seattle's point differential is minus seventy eight. Nola's is minus seventy seven. So, considering uh, they're they're very similar. Uh, Seattle did lose the first game in New Orleans, but this is at Starfire. Um, it is straight up sold out. You can't even buy a standing room only ticket. So, way to go, Seattle! Thirty eight hundred tickets have been purchased for this thing. Uh, I'm going Seattle minus three. Anyone who knows football lines means that actually the road team is favored. But uh, when you go. My when you go by isn't, field goal, isn't your isn't it in this case a push then? Because isn't yeah. Isn't so so in this case it's a push, but the the pick is of course Seattle minus three. Uh it it could go either way. I don't expect it to be low scoring, if that makes sense. So Nola can win this one, uh, especially with high ball movement, and they don't drop it. But uh, Seattle has gotten better, and the difference is that they're well. They're not playing. Seattle's not playing a one-dimensional team uh, this week. Nola is a multi-dimensional team, so I think they could win. But uh, you know, I think it's going to be loud. Um, weather's probably going to be nasty. Probably going to rain. So I don't know. So I'm just going to say home side minus three. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go Nola minus five. I just think Nola's back line is just so much, it's that much more superior than Seattle. I think I see them putting up a lot more points. Seattle might keep it competitive, but I don't think Nola's going to lose the lead in this one. Um, I, I see it the same way as Liam. It's, I don't see Seattle winning. It might, it'll be close, but I think Neo, no, uh, I can't speak to that. Nola will pull it out by five in the end. Now it's time for Liam's favorite segment, along with everyone else. Questions from Bob. Bob. Yeah. <laughs> First up from Terry Dolan on Facebook. How do we logically stop calendar overlap between Eagles duty and subsequently missing four or five MLR season matches because of it? So I, I'm going to refer to Aaron. It might happen. Um, if the ARC gets moved to the rugby championship window, we will effectively be on a Southern Hemisphere 
schedule. Do I want that to happen? Eh, well, I guess work-wise, it makes watching um, early part of MLR pretty easy because I don't have to worry about ARC games. Uh, it's all about commercialism, in my argument, uh, but you know, it's not like the union has done well marketing those games anyways, so moving it is probably a whatever. It's probably a push. But uh, the way, just aligning your your international schedule so that it doesn't overlap with your club schedule. Uh, they do this in the Southern Hemisphere, and it looks like it's quite possible for us. To Adrian Thompson, or at Wardley01 on Twitter, can you guys talk about Michael Basco of Noel Gold getting playing time at 9 instead of 15? Um, yeah, I had to go back and check like the stats on this one because I didn't even notice. But uh, all I guess I can say is that good for Nola and trusting in his versatility. Good for Basca for you know being confident enough to step into that role. You know, my, Bas- Michael Basca is a ten fifteen type. Uh, Scott Gale is like a nine ten. So it, it was very interesting to see this because uh, Holden Younger has been playing a heck of a lot of minutes, and I you know I, I should have had this note in my notebook. Because uh, I talked to the coaching staff and and the GM quite a bit, but good on Nate Osborne and Ryan Fitzgerald for doing the scouting to see that they had a guy who could play nine and learn the position behind Holden Youngert and, and give them a viable option who is a little bit different at the position, but who can still finish uh, the game very well. Uh, you know, it, it was something they needed last year. They didn't have a backup for Holden Younger, and and now they do. So, and, and you know, versatility in scouting, good for them. Like he's he's played very well in the minutes that he has seen at nine. I, I will say, I think the mullet gives him superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to CJ the fan from Twitter. Why do bonus points exist? What problems uh, do they solve? So it rewards close games and it rewards offense. Uh, to The super rugby system is three tries, I think. Or no, this the premiership system is three tries. But we have the super, super rugby system of four tries. So you can't just score three. So you actually – it rewards offense. And uh, if you finish under a try or less as the the defeated team, you get a point for, for putting in effort. So it, I, I would say overall it, it rewards uh, close uh, you know close play amongst opponents. So Super Rugby actually went to their second bonus point is if you're leading by more than three tries. Oof. I think it's non-converted. I'm not positive on that. Man. So, so yeah. Crusaders basically have yeah. a thousand points on or something <laughs> like that. Is that is that what you're talking? About? Yeah. Uh, the Crusaders it, even on top. Yeah, they are. <laughs> when it comes to the bonus points, I was just going to say it kind of tells a part of the season story that, like, you know, that wins and losses really don't. But other than that, I don't really like it either. I think it should come down to wins and losses. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a wins and losses guy. Uh, I think bonus points would be your uh, you should be your tiebreaker rather than wins being your tiebreaker. But that's just a personal opinion. Uh, 
and it, it makes for an interesting conversation with with new people, I guess. All right, moving on to a question from Rafael, a host on our sister podcast, and La Mele, a Spanish language podcast about Major League Rugby. Can can we all talk about how good that gumbo rugby tastes? That gumbo rugby tastes really more bueno. Yeah, all right, it's more caliente. It's uh, it's delicioso. <laughs> Uh, I guess I guess we all got to go down to the, uh, you know, Adrian Thompson. Um, also, he runs the Go Gold group on Facebook. Shout out to Go Gold uh, for supporting the podcast. We all got to go down to to uh, to Shaw, and uh, they put on man, they put on a great Cajun tailgate. I, I will say. So uh, we got to get down there and get some gumbo rugby. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, they, I would say that they were very, uh, very relatively resilient in that game to just get what they needed out of it because it was, it's kind of, it's kind of rough. <laughs> so. All right. Last question of the night. And then we're out of here from life. Love rugby. Now that Houston has their own stadium, who's next to get their own place? Um, um well, I heard the closest. Closest? Ooh. You know, I, I I honestly like I don't want to. I've heard stuff about going on with the Free Jacks right now that Malden, uh, that Malden Square is kind of in in play for a potential stadium development that would be sort of communal uh, with with the greater uh, Boston and Malden area. So, I don't know. Um, like you know, like there's also, you know, Nola definitely. Um, I don't. I don't think they want to be at Archbishop Shaw, um, high school much longer, especially because I, uh, some of the players have told me there's like a creepy haunted mansion like overlooking the field. Are, are uh, oh, Hope Haven? That like there's a sandwich shop in that place. Come on, man. <laughs> I think they're moving to the the baseball. Yeah, stadium. They're mo- so they're moving to the baseball stadium at least for, for I think. One game this year, and maybe all of next year. I don't know. Um, it is going to be where they host the playoff game because they probably get pretty close to the top. Um, but uh, I would say the Free Jacks or San Diego because well, San Diego, real estate in San Diego, man. That's but but San Diego's owner, primary majority owner is a real estate developer. So there that would be that would be why. Free real estate. I <laughs> <laughs> right, final thoughts, gentlemen. I'm no, I'm out. I'm tired. <laughs> Alright, well for those of you who hate me, don't worry. Uh Corey will be back next week. <laughs> Nice. I don't want to make fun of Colorado, dude. Making fun of Iowa is a lot better. (laughs) Well, here's your your last chance to get your drinks in, folks. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby teams or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Madigan-Fried is employed by the West Houston Lions and the Houston Sabercats. 
Be sure to tune in next week. We're live on YouTube each Monday night and available on your favorite podcast platform each Wednesday morning. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube and iTunes feeds, and it helps other folks find us. Please also leave us a review. We haven't got one in a while. If you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, we'll read it on the air. And be sure to share your own news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit. You can find us at reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.